0: Welcome back to the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we talk to and about people who are inspired by Star Trek or science fiction to work towards hopeful futures in the real world. I am here with the fabulous Moxie and Magnus. Moxie, will you introduce yourself?
1: Well, hello, Lisa. How are you today? It's so oh, good to see to you. Better to talk to you. <laughs> Let's see. I am Moxie Ann Magnus, the chief cosmetologist, xenocosmetologist, of course, aboard the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Maybe you've heard of him?
0: Oh, yes. So what exactly does a xenocosmetologist do?
1: Well, I do hair, nails, makeup, fur, uh sometimes gaseous cloud uh decoration you know uh uh we don't discriminate against any beings uh sentient beings we we do a little bit of uh pet grooming occasionally but that's not our primary thing of course
0: certainly certainly how did you get into xenocosmetology
1: well I was born in space, you see, aboard the USS Ava Gabor. It was a trading ship. My parents were, were traders of of uh, hair products, you see. So I learned a lot as a child about hair products. Uh, and uh, we were attacked by Orion pirates. Oh no. Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, partly in uh, an Orion uh, uh colony, you see. And that's where I learned skills from a very young age, doing doing hair of of uh, an Orion princess and her retinue. yes, and uh, so I won my freedom in a hair competition. and then I made my way to Earth. And on Earth, I uh, was doing some modeling, of course. I mean, as beautiful as I am, I didn't Absolutely. want to to um, keep myself from the rest of the world, you know, so I started doing modeling and, and it just uh, wasn't exactly what I wanted. I wanted to do something important, something uh, to help the masses of beings across the universe feel a little more beautiful and so I went to Starfleet. I went to San Francisco. I went to Starfleet. And um, and there I uh, was the youngest graduate in their hair and makeup program. Yes. And I, I'm the only one on record to actually pass that no-win scenario, the uh, Kobayashi hairdo. Yes. Oh,
0: how did you do that? Tell us about your Kobayashi hairdo.
1: Well, I'm sure you've heard of the Kobayashi Maru before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this is this is the uh, exit exam for xenocosmetology. And in this, the ship is on the edge of the neutral zone and they get a uh, distress code. So they have to go into the neutral zone or they have to decide what to do, whether mm-hmm. to take the distress call and go into the neutral zone, and it's it's a no win scenario. And so, with the the uh, hair exercise, uh, because all of our uh, uh, all of our systems have been diverted to weapons at this point, uh, we have to figure out how to continue uh, doing the makeup and hair of the people who are currently in the uh, in uh, Salon Bay as this scenario is going off. So it's it's a terrible terrible situation because uh, normally you know we can just set our instruments to uh stunning and uh they do a lot of the work itself so in this situation uh, we have to rely on our old time skills you know teasing combs and those kinds of things and and while being phaser blasted the whole time so it's very interesting not not extreme not necessarily fun but
0: certainly that sounds terrible
1: so yes.
0: who, who were you working on when the attack came in your Kobayashi uh, well
1: I had a Delton in my chair uh, who wanted a Buffon, and and that right there is a no win scenario oh, you know, sure. because uh, Deltons are, are hairless and uh, so I was working on replicating weave right and so the weave replicator of course went down when we diverted our uh uh, our systems when we diverted all the energy to weapons so i had to hand knit weave that's the solution that i came up with i hand knitted weave out of the salon bay carpet and i managed to do a beautiful beautiful bouffant on this andorian yes it was it was incredible
0: so what what alien race do you like working with the best, you've worked with everyone.
1: Well, you know, Vulcans, of course, because Vulcans, they have, uh, have you ever been to Vulcan? Not yet. Not yet. Well, if you go to Vulcan, you'll notice that everything is logical. They have the most logical transportation systems. Their food is prepared in the most logical ways so that the flavors blend perfectly for your palate uh housing is logical government is logical everything is logical except their hairstyles and wedding customs they're batshit crazy i don't understand them at all (laughs) but as a result you get these crazy crazy black and white bouffants and these crazy i'm just all over the place hairstyles I just love it. Uh, it comes from their their wild tradition before they found logic. So it's just this crazy, crazy hair history on Vulcan. And of course, the men's hairstyles use a lot of ceremonial bowls. You know, they're bowl cuts. So they just plop them right on the head and snip the bangs off. So the men's haircuts are a little less interesting, but the women's are just out of this world.
0: Is there is there a special protocol you have to use when you're uh, using a, a ceremonial bowl for a haircut?
1: Well, you have to have the right size of ceremonial bowls, so you have to make sure that you have a set. Oh, that, I, that makes sense. I use mine for fruit because we've only got Mister Spock on board, of course, and so uh, I use mine for fruit until he comes in, and then I just put put the fruit in the sink while I cut his hair.
0: Well, that 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 makes sense. So, which which crew member has hair care secrets you shouldn't tell us?
1: Oh, well, I of won't tell anyone. It's okay. You've you've heard all of the rumors of the captain, of course, right? Oh,
0: certainly. What's and the his, truth? Is to pay.
1: Yes, you know the captain does. He does like a specific look, and uh, he is a little a little light on the top, if you know what I mean. And so we, we have these uh, secret buffet, uh, uh, I'm sorry, these secret toupee compartments around the ship so that we always have an extra toupee in case something terrible happens.
0: So what about the rumors that in an emergency he once used a tribble?
1: It's true. You know, I've mistaken his toupee for a treble before. Yes, I, um, I beat it to death. <laughs>
0: Hopefully not with him wearing it at the time.
1: No, no, of course not.
0: Certainly, certainly. Uh, do you, Now, you said you do sometimes pet grooming. Have you ever groomed a Tribble?
1: I have, I have. Uh, they're very easy to groom. Their hair is very soft and they make you feel so good while you're grooming their hair. I mean, you could do anything to their little hair and they would be happy because they're just there to make you feel good. So, yeah. There, there are long hair triples. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They, they just keep growing out and out and out. So you, you do have to groom those, and you can use those for wool as well. I have a lovely pair of triple wool mittens.
0: Oh, that sounds very exotic and warm and happy. <laughs> so we have a lot of Klingons, as you know, at, that attend Starbase Indy. So how is how how are Klingon hair care rituals different than human?
1: well you know klingon hair is very tough it's like uh it, i don't know if you've ever groomed an elephant where you use a blowtorch to sort of burn off that excess hair uh that's kind of how klingon hair is it's it's very very tough it's like like uh, steel even i mean you have to get some good shears to get klingon hair but i don't i don't quite understand the Klingon Empire's whole hair aesthetic—you know—I—I—I I, I don't understand how a uh, race that is warp capable uh, hasn't invented a flat iron for their hair. You know, it's just is beyond me.
0: Well, does their hair take to a flat iron when you when you use one from another planet?
1: Well, surely if you've got warp technology, you can use some kind of flat iron on their hair. Uh, I I would love to get a Klingon in my chair and do a Brazilian blowout and see what we can do. I could probably make them look like a new Kardashian. Not Kardashian, not Kardashian, but Kardashian. Those, sure, those, sure. those famous hookers from the uh, <laughs> 21st century. Uh, you don't know if you've heard of them.
0: I think I had a history course on them. Uh, So what what cosmetology tips do you have for those of us who are tragically stuck here on earth and have no chance to escape the ravages of gravity and solar radiation?
1: Oh, well, uh, I would say always moisturize. Live long and prosper and moisturize is what I always say. Uh, make sure that you are wearing sunscreen because I know it in 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 on earth after World War three the uh rays of the sun are very, very bad, so I don't know if you've gone through World War three yet. I think maybe it's just started. <laughs>
0: Hopefully not, but you know, I, I, I guess I'm not allowed to ask you about future history, am I?
1: Uh, no, I'd probably better not tell you just in case we create some kind of horrible paradox. And I was born as a co worker or something like that. That would be uh, too terrible for the future.
0: And we don't want to get the TVAs, uh, mad at us, right? I no, mean, we different do franchise, not. but you know. <laughs> all interconnect it's why i call exactly. the multiverse right <laughs> exactly
1: exactly yeah uh i like of course a good uh eye uh, a wing you know do you do you like a little little wing when you put on your mask uh, your um your eyeliner nice winged eye
0: I, I, honestly i'm i'm kind of hopeless with these things and have never figured out how to do that <laughs>
1: maybe you can help me it's, it's not very hard, so you just draw out from the corner of your eye to a little point with your, with your eyeliner, but my suggestion is instead of going straight from the corner of your eye, go just a little bit up and draw the wing out from there and then connect it to the bottom and that will actually lift your eyes. So that's a, a good thing to do. So instead of going straight from the bottom, move up your eyelid just a little bit and draw the wing out from there and then connect it to the bottom and that lifts your eyes you know the thing about makeup is makeup is all about illusion so you just have to learn to take your face and make it look completely
0: different well that does kind of sound like how it works yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so moxie what are you doing next
1: oh lisa i am so sorry i just got a call from the ship oh what do uh, they need you for we are leaving to go on a mission we are oddly enough i don't know you know we are the only ship within range of some horrible catastrophe isn't that odd that's so odd. That never happens. I know it's just so bizarre. So uh, I have to go off and uh, report for duty. We were supposed to be off for a few more days, but apparently, I don't know if it's whales or if it's something heading straight for Earth or if it's I don't I don't know. con. I don't know. So, but we are of course the only ship who can take care of this. So I I have to rush off
0: thank well, you so much
1: for having me
0: whoever it is they're very lucky to have starfleet's premier xenocosmetologist coming to their rescue
1: i know it may be a hair disaster this time it could be
0: all right well good luck
1: thank you very much Tootaloo. i will see you soon bye
0: bye bye so moxie is a fantastic character Uh, And so now we're talking to the brilliance behind Moxie. Now you introduce yourself.
1: Hi, guys. I am Brantley Mote. Uh, I am from Savannah, Georgia, and I am the uh, mind. I don't know, brilliant. I am the the creative mind behind (laughs) Moxie Ann Magnus, the chief cosmetologist on the USS Enterprise.
0: So where did the idea for Moxie come from?
1: Well, it kind of grew over time. Uh, It started with uh, I had some friends that I would go to Dragon Con with every year. And um, it was me, my friend Celeste Allgood, my friend Chico Rozier. And we we dressed as uh, Star Trek women. So I was in blue, my friend Celeste was in gold and Chico was in red. And um, I had sort of the moxie wig to begin with. It was not quite as elaborate as it is now, but I had that. And uh, it was so funny because before I had figured out the engineering of the wig, the the wig actually has a hollow sock inside. That's not
0: hair all the way through? I'm so disappointed. No, it's it's not hair all the
1: way through. (laughs) It's basically a wig cap that is sort of cone-shaped above my head. And, um, that first, uh, time that we did this, uh, if you look at any pictures from that, you can tell sort of when in the evening it is because it sort of slowly deflates
0: (laughs) like a sundial, but but different.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so we, um, we had done, we did dragon con and people would say, Oh, you're nurse chapel. Oh, you're janice rand and i would say no no i'm just sort of a star trek babe Mm -hmm. and um it grew out of sort of the need to clarify who i was so i just created moxie ann magnus from there and she was the ship's chief xenocosmetologist and uh it just continued growing from there until i started um appearing at cons and uh learned to play the ukulele through that time and play my ukulele and tell my jokes and um it, it that was over 10 years ago I think now so
0: I, I think so because I think you've been coming to Starbase for more than 10 years at this yeah. point
1: yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah uh,
0: why the ukulele uh
1: well I always wanted to play the ukulele and I think it's a fairly easy instrument uh as instruments go so um I just finally kind of did it, and um, it has been such a, a joyful addition to my life. I just I just love it, and from there I've kind of branched into other things. A little bit of keyboard. I bought a drum set that I've been playing around with. Haven't haven't done too much with that, but um, music is just such a a wonderful thing. I mean, I think almost everyone likes music and then when you're able to sort of create it yourself it's just um really life enhancing i think
0: you know that language that you're using about joy and life enhancing sticks out to me because this is the thing that our starbase indie attendees say about moxie all of the time and a couple of years ago when we were doing the seated dinner with the stars that should change up a little i remember the first ticket that we sold was for Moxie's table for wow. table, yeah. and the person was like this uh <clears throat> they're the best part she's the best part of Starbase Cindy, because she's so positive and so and like we hear this a lot and so it's you really do succeed in sort of bringing joy into everywhere that you know that you that you go and that Moxie goes and so that's a really neat addition to what we do
1: well thank you you know it's it's been sort of a an interesting progression because uh, the way I, I, you know, if you had told me 20 years ago that I would be going to Indianapolis and doing this con every year, um, I would have been like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, with Moxie, one of the things that I started doing early on was a blog, which I have not continued, but I was doing each of the episodes from the point of view of the cosmetologist on the, the USS Enterprise, mm-hmm. and I came across uh, while doing that, came across Five Year Mission, the band, and they were doing right, one right. song from each of the the um, episodes. And so I contacted uh, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, who's kind of had kind of put the band together, and um, we kind of communicated via email. And he was like, Well, why don't you come to this convention? Um, And I was like, Okay, sure, you know, I'm going to come. And so uh, the guys in the band were all like, Okay, this person is either kind of a genius or they are absolutely insane. Uh, So they kind of braced themselves as to (laughs) who was going to show up. As
0: (laughs) though those things are mutually exclusive. I know.
1: (laughs) I think the jury is still out on which one I am. And so um I showed up and you know, I've been coming ever since. I've mm-hmm. done Starbase, I think every year, except did I, I may have missed one year during the pandemic.
0: Well, we missed one year during the pandemic. We didn't have an yeah. air show in 2020. Everyone missed that.
1: Yeah, I I think maybe that's the only year that I missed.
0: Yeah, I think it is.
1: Yeah. And then I've done some other things in Indianapolis. I've I've gone mm-hmm. to Chicago. New York, uh, I had a, I actually had a show in New York off Times Square. It was very small, and I didn't have many people come, but it was kind of in conjunction with New York Comic Con. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So this this thing has just it's interesting because um, it, it's just kind of grown from there. But uh, Indiana has certainly embraced me. Um, oh yeah, I've I've done more in Indiana than I've done anywhere else. You know, I've done, um, uh, Starbase, I've done in conjunction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a show in Bloomington during the whole Mike Pence marriage nonsense. Um, right, because right. I wrote, a, wrote an article that was in the advocate about marriage and Indiana and the boycott. And I said that I would not boycott Indiana because the people on the ground were the ones who would suffer from a boycott and then I would be there shouting as loudly as I could against Mike Pence.
0: Yeah I remember that article and um, because I think George Takei had said something about he would not be coming to Indiana until that was remediated which it did right. it did get repealed and I remember your response to it getting a lot of attention and you know being in indiana i'm i'm just very happy you didn't stop <laughs> coming to see us yeah
1: you know i think um i think in situations like that it's not necessarily that there's one right response i think right. the boy boycotts can be very useful but i think that at the same time um you know, being somebody who, who, I mean, I'm not really in it for the money. I'm not coming to make a lot of money, but I'm coming to support people. So, uh, I don't think there's that much of a, and, and you know, the people that I would support the money that goes into them, it's not, uh, it's supporting the people who need the support. And of course, you know, the, the problem to me with, with boycott sometimes is that, no matter who you give your money to at some point down the chain, you're supporting atrocities. I mean, that is the, that is the nature of capitalism. There there is no
0: ethical consumerism (laughs) under capitalism. And this is a true statement, right? Yeah.
1: We're, we're, we're a big, a big web and, and you can't just take out one part of that web. And, but at the same time, I do, I do understand the thoughts behind boycotts. So uh, I'm, I, you know, don't want to be knocking those necessarily. If that makes sense,
0: absolutely. It's such an ecosystem, right? It needs yeah. all of the different pieces, and right. and they work together. They're not they're not in contrast as much as some people would like to yeah. think they are. But saying things all have to be one way is not, um, not how the universe works. There's too much right. variety there, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: you know, I think that. If you take if you take support away from this small ecosystem, like you're saying of of queers in Indiana, then they go elsewhere, and then Indiana becomes more of a wasteland in terms of not having that diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So I I just think it's extremely important um, on on a small level to make sure that that you're showing up for the people who need need somebody who need you know um who need to see queers who need to see that they're not alone and that um you know that that they have not been abandoned i guess
0: right right and the people are not the government anywhere in the world right right? there are there are people trying to make things better everywhere Right. Um, And sometimes they succeed and sometimes they succeed less. But abandoning those people isn't necessarily the way to go. Well,
1: you know, in the United States, we talk about red and blue states a lot. And Mm -hmm. the reality is that most states are some shade of purple. Oh, yeah. And I think the state that I live in here in Georgia is a really good example of that, because with the last election, Georgia kind of tipped the um, uh, tipped the vote in in favor of biden mm-hmm. and um georgia has been you know traditionally a red state but uh when you get down to the the grass you see that red is just a matter of a few points sometimes and if you shift those points then you become blues <laughs> right yeah
0: yeah and yeah. and often there's we we make it sound like it's so very different and we have more in common than we often than we do different and having having an experience of meeting and seeing as human someone who's different than you is one of the most powerful things you can do to change right. the right
1: absolutely were yeah. you expecting this talk to go into the political political
0: realm uh, you know, this is, the, this is literally the thing I love best about Starbase Indie is that the people that it attracts are interesting to talk to on all kinds of different levels. So, yeah, Definitely. yeah. yeah. And, and you have a bachelor's degree in religion. I noticed when I was doing research for this. I do. And uh, and a master's in education. And how does that play into the work that you're doing as Moxie and the persona that you have?
1: Well, um, my bachelor's degree in religion is, um, sort of comparative religion. I -hmm. studied a lot of different religions and, um, I would consider myself to be sort of a secular Buddhist,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, meaning that I practice Buddhism, but not the sort of religious aspects of it. I meditate, I sort of use Buddhist ideals to kind of follow a, uh, a path, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Buddhism, you have certain, um, like for instance, the, the Eightfold Path in Buddhism is sort of the Buddhist path to follow. And one of those steps on that path is about your intention. And so everything that you do should come from an attention of intention of sort of letting go of compassion, being being kind and compassionate, and um thirdly, being um non-harming. and I sort of take that as a guide to overall life. I mean, it's just a real simple thing to follow, so that that um when you when you meet somebody, you sort of let go of all of your expectations of what the interaction is going to be, and you meet them where they are. And then you're kind to them and compassionate and then uh of course finally non non-harming you don't want to harm people mm-hmm. that you meet Thanks. and so as as moxie uh i i mean that's kind of what i do when i when i go to these events i'm just completely try to be completely open to whatever the event is and whoever's there and um whoever i meet i just want to um Be kind and compassionate to them to let go of whatever my expectations are and to meet them where they are and to um, share, share a laugh, share some fun. And that's kind of, um, it's a a very, a, a deeper kind of approach to sort of this nonsense that I do, but it's all about, it's all about compassion and sort of sharing that and um it's it's interesting because i I remember an early event that i did that was at a a bar it was a comedy show and i did a little bit of crowd work and it was a little more um sort of um insult comedy Mm comic-y and it it was it just felt so awful it's just not kind of what I want to do and so and so then afterwards it was like wow you know that's it's funny and the people I I talked to the people afterwards to say hey you know I'm I, I'm this was just comedy I was not you know, right <laughs> but it's um it's a different different place and you know I, I think that that people who do that very well they're they're not offensive you know that they they laugh along with the people that they're sort of insulting if you're a good insult comic, if you're a bad insult comic, you just <laughs> offend people, right? But um I, I just realized from that kind of that what I that's not really what I do. That mm-hmm. what I do more the best is um laugh at myself, laugh at the universe, laugh at laugh along. Um and um just to have fun. And then when you're having fun, it's infectious. So uh, just really really good.
0: You know, uh, that is so true. And it is, you know, you talk about this, this silly little thing that has a deeper meaning. And that's a lot of, you know, where Starbase, when we remissioned in 2017, and became a C3. It's like, okay, well, how do we, not just how do we differentiate ourselves so that we can keep doing it, but how do you make an impact, right? And yeah. the, the thing about Star Trek, for me at least, is that it's a hopeful vision of the future. And there aren't that many of those in canon, right? In pop culture.
1: Well, you know, I think in terms of like literature or writing or um, shows, it's very difficult to sort of have what Star Trek has. Because when you write a story, it's based on conflict. And so I think one of the unique things about Star Trek is that it, is a utopian kind of vision instead of dystopian it's a utopian vision and so you have to find your conflict somewhere else and so i think that's just sort of unique sometimes among sci-fi and canon It, it does have that hopeful view of the future which you don't get a lot of
0: Right, right. We've had so many, you know, generation of dystopia being what's cool, and, you know, Star Trek definitely not being what's cool necessarily. Although I have had more people in the last couple of years when they find out I'm involved in a Star Trek convention say, Ooh, that's cool. And I'm like, Okay, I now, don't know when that happened. The, I like the, it, but I don't know that was change. that was not true when I was in high school for sure, right? Like science fiction right, fandom, right. not always cool, right. but I'm glad right. that it is.
1: We have such an explosion of of track now too.
0: Oh yeah, <clears throat> there's such great stuff coming out and oh. and such a variety of it, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing. I you know, I first got into Star Trek in Excuse me. It must have been the um third Star Trek movie, The Search for Spock. That's the third one, isn't it? One, two, three. Yeah. Um, I had my my best friend from high school. Her sister was a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, she's about four years older than us, and um, so we all went to the the search for Spock and that's kind of the first time it was really on my radar, I guess, you know, I had watched some star Trek before. Um, and from there it just kind of built over the years of, um, getting into these characters and, and, you know, that's one of the things about star Trek is it's also very, um, sort of character based. So you've got, you know, this connection of the characters, um, that are um they're sort of a family so you know you've got this family of characters um and yeah so I just kind of got into it from there and um that was gosh what year did that movie come out that was 1984 gosh I was in high school yeah um and most people who are going to be at the con were probably not born yet, right?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know that that's necessarily true of our audience, but there certainly will be some people who were not born yet. And so you are an artist beyond Moxie as well. You have taught art and design. How well, just...
1: I've, I've taught English at an art and design school. Okay. Yeah. And I've, and in that I've taught about art and design, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an artist light, I suppose. I, you know, I do some, some art stuff. My husband is a, a real artist. Mm-hmm. He He's the one who does the, I don't know if you've seen the uh, Tales from Salon Bay comic. Yes. Yes. So he does, he draws the comic and is uh, sort of the driving force behind that in a lot of ways. And that's been a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Um, yeah so um do have some some art background
0: (laughs) so um how would you describe your art practice
1: um stops and starts Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's um i think a creative sort of process i would consider myself i guess more of a writer than a a sort of visual artist Mm -hmm. um and i think it's a very difficult practice um, I am not somebody who practices every day. Um, I'm somebody who sort of goes in, in waves and, uh, it's kind of, a um, uh, a, um, love, hate relationship in a, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, I, um, Uh, Yeah, it's just difficult. I I think as a teacher, you know, I've I've moved out of teaching, but I think as a teacher, I put a lot of my creative energy into teaching because you have to do a lot of planning. You have to do a lot of um, putting together interesting exercises, keeping students sort of uh, interested. And I, I think, I hope now that I've sort of moved out of teaching and I'm doing something that doesn't require the creativity to go into what I do. Mm -hmm. that maybe I'll be able to use some of that creativity for um, other things. But, you know, I I consider Moxie as part of my art. And you know, I think one of the wonderful things about that is, I mean, when I started out, my makeup skills were horrible. My hair was a mess. uh, And it's just, I think with any art, you have to realize that it's an exponential thing that over time, you become more aware of what you're doing Mm -hmm. uh you become better at what you're doing if you if you are open to that and uh it just can take you in a lot of paths that you didn't even realize were possible paths so you know with moxie in terms of makeup i've learned so much and um i would never have thought to be a, a makeup artist but um over time, I feel like the skills that I have in makeup have really blossomed, and it's become something that I know a lot more about, mm-hmm. uh, that I really enjoy, um, and that um, and, and you know other things you just learn out of necessity. I think that's the beauty of doing something before you're ready to do it is you just dive in and you're like, oh, okay, I have to sew something for this, so you just figure out how to do it, and. Uh, the more i live lisa the more i think that action is more important than thought sometimes because if you're constantly acting you're sort of moving forward but if you're sitting and thinking about things then you're just sitting in one spot Mm -hmm. and so of course i think you have the you go back and forth between thinking and acting but sometimes to get out of a rut you just need to do something and move in some direction. I, I just I just saw a quote pop up on something the other day, and it was a quote from Confucius, and it said, "It uh, it doesn't matter how slow you're moving, as long as you're moving." And mm-hmm. I I think that that's kind of a a, a good ideal for me is that sometimes it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're not just ruminating over how to do something you just kind of do it until it works out
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely get get in the arena do something if it doesn't work do something different keep trying yeah absolutely
1: yeah I think sometimes when you plan things I I I have been lucky in my life that I've always said that I've just uh stumbled around and fallen into a lot of great things like i I consider moxie something that i just kind of stumbled into and um you know i think sometimes the things that i've planned have not worked out and the things that i've just stumbled into have grown into these amazing crazy things so
0: (laughs) isn't that the way it works yeah i i saw the astronaut dr wolf speak a couple of years ago and he said when you're in space the only thing you know for sure is not going to happen is plan a (laughs) (laughs) yeah that yeah that tracks (laughs) um you you're also doing a photography project the savannah sites where you're taking pictures around your hometown where did that come from what are you doing with that tell us about it
1: well i um i started that uh let's see let's let's go back a little bit so the pandemic was extremely difficult for us as I'm, as it was for a lot of people and more difficult i'm sure for other people but uh with the pandemic uh i had particularly a lot of loss my my father died not of covid but he died in march 2020. Mm-hmm. i had a cousin who died of covid my uncle died a month after my father I had a friend who died of cancer, another friend who died of a heart attack, another friend who died of kidney failure. And all of that was wow. from like March to June of 2020. And so that on top of the pandemic was just a lot. And then with work for me, um, because I was teaching during COVID, uh, work became kind of crazy because we all went to Zoom. Mm-hmm. and. I was teaching students who were mostly in China and uh, coming to study at the University at Savannah College of Art and Design, uh, who I was teaching English to the students who were coming in to study, to prepare them for their their classes. And during COVID, uh, it was very difficult to get in or out of the country. So we had a lot of students who were in China preparing to come to the United States who couldn't get a visa to come in because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so my teaching schedule shifted from sort of our timeline to teaching on China time. So I would get up in the morning and teach from eight until about two o'clock. And then I would go back to teaching at about five and teach till 1030. So that I was teaching students in China on Zoom here in the United States. And it was a terrible schedule because I was literally working from eight in the morning till 1030 at night. Right. Right. And so I got really burned out and I, I left um, teaching in 2021 and was um, without a job for a while. I had saved enough to kind of rely on that, which was very fortunate, you know, not everybody can kind of say, okay, I'm burned out. I need to leave this and recoup. And um, so I, I think I spent a lot of time um, in that space that I was just kind of talking about, where I wasn't really moving forward, I was just, I just needed to kind of curl up and <laughs> cocoon yeah. And, <laughs> and
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and get to a place where I kind of could move forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, with the S- Savannah Sites website that I started, it was, I live in such a beautiful city. Savannah, Georgia is just gorgeous. Um, We have the beautiful live oak trees with the Spanish moss hanging from them and a lot of historic buildings. And it's just a really pretty place. So uh, one of the things that I decided to do was to try and kind of uh, look for work in freelance writing. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot of writing that's out there. So I started uh doing the savannah sites as a way to take some pictures of savannah and post those and then link those to a website which i'm still working on that's uh articles about savannah i only have one article Mm -hmm. up i think at this point uh but to have a place where i have some freelance writing that i can point Mm -hmm. people to um and also just share the beauty of savannah so uh again i think sometimes it's for me, you know, everybody has a different style. My style is kind of to throw things at a wall until something sticks. <laughs> and that I think is one of the things that I've just kind of thrown at the wall. Um, and um, so it's it's a work in progress, but it's something that is, uh, again, it's just about beauty. It's about sharing. It's about, you um, um, trying to take the skills that I have and to put them out in the world. So, yeah.
0: And there's such a value in, I think, focusing on beauty and helping other people focus on beauty.
1: Yeah. I, you know, from my sort of Buddhist ideals, my Buddhist background um, in, in Buddhism, you don't want to be a pessimist but you don't want to be an optimist either you want to be somebody who sees the world the way it is Mm -hmm. and that ideal in buddhism is that we all live in this world that is in a lot of ways ultimately horrible because if you look around um we are all struggling we're all suffering and we all in this life in death and if you live long enough then you decline and you die (laughs) but the hope of buddhism is that just because that happens doesn't mean that we don't live in a world that at the same time is beautiful and full of compassion and full of love for one another and that a lot of life is where you focus your mind if you focus on the horrors of the world then you you increase your own personal horrors. And if you focus on compassion and love, and and ultimately in Buddhism, I think one of the things that's interesting to me is we don't necessarily focus on love and compassion and non-harming for others. We focus on it because it makes us much better. And um, it makes life a beautiful thing to live because when you're compassionate, you um you have more compassion for yourself you become a a person who focuses your mind on doing kind things instead of being a Karen Mm
0: right right yeah 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 the older I get the more value I see in that and it you know yes there's a lot of horrible things in the world and also there's so much beauty and kindness and and enjoy and, and, and if you're only focused on horrible stuff you just miss the other stuff and then there's right. less of it yeah yeah i i think
1: one of the things during this whole pandemic sort of thing and the loss that i kind of experienced mm-hmm. uh one of the things that really sustained me through that is being in the pandemic when you look around You can't say, woe is me, because we were all in the same suit. So Mm -hmm. um, I never felt overburdened because I was not having any burden that was different from really anybody else ultimately. And I think that's, I think as individuals, that's a really common road to go down is that when you are suffering or when you feel that. You don't realize that you're not unique in that. That we all suffer, mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel like you've got the weight of the whole world when you're never carrying it alone. Everybody is carrying the same weight, some some more at times than others, but I mean ultimately, you're you're not special in that. So when you go into oh woe is me, I've got the worst life ever. Um, you're really sort of discounting the rest of the world that's around you and sort of not leaning where you need to lean. So uh, it's just it, it you know when when you have that, I, I think that we we have this mistake that if we just do things right, then we'll be happy. But sometimes we're just simply not happy, and you have to be unhappy when you're unhappy and be compassionate with yourself and the world. But you always come out of that. I mean, you never, you're not going to be unhappy forever. You're not going to be happy forever. So, this too shall pass. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to, you know, um, write it out. Um, And when I was younger, I was not necessarily able to write it out like that. And I think that that's something that has come with age for me is to say, you know, this is not the end of the world. You're, you're, you're going to, come out the other end of this and just again it's that movement thing just keep moving and (laughs) it's life is uh life is just life and you just keep moving through it and you find the the joy Uh, I think the paradox of life is that the joy is always there in the sorrow and the sorrow is always there in the joy and so when you're when you're sad it's okay to be sad, and you have to be sad, but you can also look for those points of light that are there at the same time.
0: Yeah, uh, it perpetual happiness isn't <laughs> real. And really, you wouldn't appreciate it the same way. That well, we all know somebody working. who
1: has that sort of toxic optimism Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> don't don't deal with the sad things or the bad things. Just pretend they don't exist and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. top yoga for twenty years. I've met a lot of those people. Yeah. We don't tend to get along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's ultimately it's sort of the kind of um it's a different kind of fundamentalism, isn't it? I mean, it's
0: just (laughs) so much. And and um, in the in the yoga community, a lot of those teachers who are known for that went the QAnon route really early.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't
0: it? It really is a lot of the the folks who were all into spiritual healing. And now they're into the weirdest conspiracies theories. And like it just demonstrates that's not. That's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it's very very weird life, people.
0: It is, isn't it? So you you mentioned the Tales from Solon Bay comic. Uh, How does Moxie's persona in that comic differ from Moxie's persona in? in real life and on stage do they do different things or are they kind of the same are there differences or maybe not
1: uh they're kind of the same they um of course you know what you can do in a comic and what you can <laughs> right. do in real life is it's a little different yeah, yeah so yeah. in the comic there's a lot of interaction with sort of tribbles and gorn and you know aliens and then mm-hmm. with the crew so it's just kind of about moxie on on the enterprise um and um it's just um it's like the old you know uh, i was looking at something the other day that was about um you know nostalgia and i don't know how old you are lisa but you know it used to be that when the sunday newspaper came out you were like oh the sunday comics they're in color you know so right you right yeah strips. yeah and uh so comic strips i think were a, a much bigger thing back in the day of the newspaper. Uh, but it's just sort of a, a a love letter in a sense to, uh, Star Trek, to that old Sunday comic strip Mm -hmm. and, um, to Moxie, you know, um, I, you know, I loved so much. Charlie Brown was one of my big things, you know, when you talk about sort of inspirations, uh, I, I, Charlie Brown would probably be one of the big ones for me. And Charlie Brown has such a pathos, you know, because it's, (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's it's kind of what we're talking about with life being sort of that dark side and that light side, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, happiness is a warm puppy and poor Charlie Brown, never being able to kick a football. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, Charlie Brown being sort of this dark spirit in a way, you know, uh, it's, uh, I, I think that's um sort of an influence. Um mm-hmm. but I think with the comic, it's sort of that four panel fun thing. You know, you've got uh this scenario set up that you have a four panel beat. And my my favorite sort of comic is to do the setup with sort of one and two and then three being kind of a resolution and then four being kind of callback. Mm -hmm. that's uh so it's it's um it's just a lot of a lot of fun um and you know i i think uh, i have to give a lot of credit again to my husband because he's done a lot to kind of keep the the comic alive and to keep that sort of going over time we ran into some some rough patches in terms of where to sort of put it and how to how to host it without spending a lot of money and Mm -hmm. finally sort of landed on instagram so that's been than where, tales from Salon Bay is now, and he keeps posting them every Friday. So he keeps keeps it regularly going, which is great.
0: That's that's wonderful. So Starbase Cindy is yeah. It's coming up. By the time I get this out on the podcast, it will be after Starbase Cindy. But right now, in this moment, it's coming up. What are you doing to prepare?
1: That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was like are you are you ready for Starbase Indie do you know what you're gonna do and I was like well you know just kind of the same old shtick so <laughs> uh, I need to sit down and decide what songs I'm gonna do uh costumes am I gonna have anything new uh so it's you know I tend to be kind of a last minute queen and throw these things together uh sometimes I do a little more planning and I you know, doing this podcast I think is great because it's going to get me started. This, get will, this will to everything together and ready to go. But uh, luckily, I have uh, sort of the standard things that I do. I usually add a few new things to that, and that's kind of my my star base plan. I'm so excited to see Bonnie's going to be there again. I hope I can do something yes. with her, mm-hmm. like we did last time. That was fantastic. We both really enjoyed that. I think um and um I loved interviewing Sandy last time that was so much fun uh she um Sandy Gimple have you mm-hmm. seen her book that she's I, out with
0: yeah I, I haven't I haven't read it yet but
1: I I, I, I to... haven't read the whole thing but I've looked through and read every caption on every picture and mm-hmm. it's so full of pictures it's she has such a fantastic fascinating life and she's such a Spitfire man, I just really enjoyed mm-hmm. sort of researching and interviewing her. So, I you know, it's always such a a fun time at Starbase Indy, um, just seeing everybody and uh, playing and having a good time. And um, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. That does that doesn't answer what my plans are because I have to figure this out. What do you like about Starbase Indy? Let's see, what do I like about Starbase Indy? Well. Uh, you know, it's a, a small family con is how I kind of think about it. So, uh, you see sort of the same people over and over again. Um, you really get to kind of interact with the guests. Um, you get to, um, it just, I, I like Starbase Indie because I just kind of come and, um, swim in the soup of the con for the weekend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, just fun, again, to entertain people, to laugh with people, to help make sure people are having a good time, um, and to um, just hang around. Uh, It's a good con for doing that, I think. And uh, there's so much good programming, uh, which I never get to take part in except for mine <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I always think after the con oh I wish I had gone to see so-and- so or oh, I wish it was so it's always kind of um, uh, you know there's just so much so much going on but uh, again the people of Indiana have also been super welcoming to me so I always feel like it's kind of my home con in a sense well we always love
0: having you um, so. Let's talk a little bit about where people can find you online. Um,
1: it's kind of difficult these days. I haven't really been doing that much. I, my uh, big website is uh, moxymagnus.com, which just has my sort of bio and info and pictures and those kinds of things. I go in and update it from time to time. The Tales from the Salon Bay is, uh, again, weekly. That's on Instagram. I've been kind of quiet on Facebook and Instagram myself lately. Um, Just kind of been in one of those cocooning periods. Uh, You know, I, like I said earlier, I just started a new job. So uh, that's been taking some of my time, but I think that with my new schedule, I'll have a little more time. So hopefully we can um, get those moving again. Um, Still working on an album. It may come out in the next 20 years been working for <laughs> work five years i guess but it'll eventually be out
0: excellent excellent well thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today
1: it has been a real pleasure thank you so much lisa uh it's it's been great
0: and and thank you too moxie
1: thank you darling i was so happy to be here signing off from deep space
0: Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie podcast. To find more information about our live event this November, check us out at starbaseindie.org or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you on the Starbase.